Value Town is a production of ChamMV TV. Find out all show information and details at ChamMV.tv. Value Town is directly supported by listeners like yourself via patreon.com slash value town. This is our town. Welcome. What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 214 of Value Town. I'm Chan Man B, and we're starting a little bit later than normal. I know you folks that are listening don't even care, but <laughs> the folks that are watching live, we're, we're doing a, a late night, or not late night, but just an evening episode of Value Town. But I've got two great guests on to, to, to join me today, and fresh off the world championships, you know, back from Taiwan, we've got Language Hacker and Bloody Face. What's up, guys? How you guys doing? Hey. Hello. Good, how are you? Good, good. Blayface, it's your first time on the show. So welcome to yeah. the show, man. Thank you. Uh, Language Hacker's been here before? Yeah, yeah. Language Hacker's been here. I think, uh, nice. when, when was it? Like, it was definitely it was earlier last year? Or November, December, maybe? November, December, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. somewhere around there. Yeah, so uh, long time coming. You know, you've been like one of the, the best players like for, for a while now. So I don't know you know why we haven't been able to, or I haven't reached out to you before. So I'm glad to have you finally on and it's gonna be a really, really fun uh, just talking about everything, you know, like world champions and getting your insight on a lot of stuff. Uh, but yeah, today guys, we've got, uh, you can kind of see it on the topic bar here. We've got news, got a couple of things, uh, you know, new type of event league that that's coming out as well as, uh, some stuff about solo adventures, some interesting uh, conversations there. World champions. We're going to find out just all, both these guys experiences and, and just everything talk about, you know, obviously the results and, and just all the, the crazy awesome matches that went on, uh, during the competition. And then, uh, esports arena, which is going to, um, facilitate some of our specialist talk. Once again, seems to be a reoccurring theme on the show every week or every other week, but it just has to be has to be discussed. You just, you just can't let it go. And then Q and A, of course, uh, questions at the end. If you guys um, have any questions, you can either save them for Twitch chat or you can tweet them to ValueTownGG, and we'll read them out. All right, guys. So uh, you know, our week in Hearthstone. We already started the show just talking about what we've been uh, when, been up to. Um, you know, just at least this week. Language Hacker, I was, I was watching you just on your stream playing some Open Cups last night. So uh, how'd that end up going? Uh, open Cup, first one. It was okay. It was a nice start to the experience. Um, strong 2-0 start, and then I kind of just flaked out and did 2-2. And I, I think after that point, it's not really worth continuing. So people usually drop it that, after that. Yeah. How, how long did it take? Because I, I watched your first match and a half or so. Um, but... You know, some people are talking about some of these things taking longer or shorter. You know, like I'd love to hear like what your experience was. So yesterday it actually wasn't that bad. I mean, I, to be fair, I also left after four rounds, and it didn't seem like there was that much downtime. But my games were taking a bit longer. Um, I was in a cup earlier today, in which every round we were waiting for like Warrior Mirrors to finish. Like after four rounds, it, it had been like eight hours oh. since the cup had started. Wow. Like every round, it was three or four warrior mirrors left over. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, um, that, that was your first time playing specialist, right? So um, I played a little bit in the Battle Rift League, but okay. I okay. Um, I just I have a limited, limited collection on EU, so I got a little frustrated after a time, and I just stopped playing. So I only played for like a day or two. 
No, oh, okay. But, uh, I had some experience with it. Okay, cool. Uh, Blayface, what you been up to? Well, just got back from Taiwan, yeah. so uh, trying to get adjusted to the jet lag. <laughs> really weird That's hours. Like Twelve hours, right? Or something crazy like that. I just do this thing where I just don't sleep for like twenty-four hours, and then I'll sleep for like ten or fifteen. Yeah, but I don't know. I just that's just what I've been doing, and I've just been uh, trying to catch up on the meta because mm -hmm. you know submit your decks for worlds you only have eight days and then you lock your decks in and then the meta just continues to progress after mm -hmm. that but right. you don't focus on the meta when you're in worlds you focus on you know the 16 players and the 16 decks or the 16 lineups that were brought so i felt like i was pretty far behind in the meta and a lot of catching up to do so i've just been playing non-stop ladder and trying to you know just looking at what the high level grinders are playing and what's being successful in the specialist cups right now to you know, just get back on top of things. Yeah, Any, anything to share? Or you want to still keep it, like, close to the best? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that Nomi Priest is a top-tier deck now. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. I think for the longest time, like, Rogan Warriors just been, like, the two top-tier decks. But, like, a lot of streamers are having a lot of success with uh, Nomi Priest, and it's getting a lot more exposure. I know Meaty just hit rank 1 Legend with it. I think it's a very strong deck. I think it can be teched against. It's not necessarily mm -hmm. the best deck ever. But, you know, I've been playing a lot of games with it, and I'd say, like, 20 to 25% of the time, I can draw my whole deck by turn 7. What? I don't, yeah. Wow. Not, not the whole deck. I usually don't want to. Yeah, usually, I was gonna say. usually, once I get to, like, 4 or 5 cards, I have to slow down because I need turn 9 to have uh, the the Nomi Seance turn or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, against other decks like Rogue or Hunter that are more aggressive, you don't care. You just cycle through your whole deck, like, super fast. And you, d you don't draw your whole deck by turn 7 against those decks because you have to spend some of your resources dealing with their threats. Mm -hmm. But against, like, Warrior that just, like, doesn't pressure you at all, you just, like, get to hold North Star Cleric and Wild Pyromancer and just, like, have a turn where you draw a billion cards. So, yeah, any deck that can draw its, <laughs> draw its whole deck by turn 7, like, 50... <laughs> 20% of the time is pretty yeah. outrageous. Um, I think it has a lot of potential. And I also want to add that I think the Elemental Mage is also very good. Um, it actually might be a good counter to the Nomi Priest. Which one is uh, that? Yeah, which um, one is that? Is that it's, the the, it's the Sandbinder. Um, oh, the one with... You, know, you get Mountain Giant, plays Archmage Antonidas. It plays Cyclone. Okay, guy. Oh, yeah, 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 right. The reason why that deck can be strong against uh, Nomi is because they run two Frost Novas. So, you know, you can just set up this board state where you just, like, you get out an 8-8, eight, eight, Nomi can't really remove it, then they Frost Nova you and Conjurer's Calling, <laughs> and then Nomi just doesn't have any, like, good defenses against that. Yeah. And then they Frost Nova you again, or maybe they got an extra Frost Nova off Mana Cyclone or something, or maybe <laughs> they just play, like, thing. a bunch of Mirror Images wow. or something. Yeah. Like, they can just stall out Nomi, and I think that might end up being a top-tier deck if Nomi ends up being good. And I think, like, that deck's already, like, decent, and it's actually, like, I think going to be quite good in specialist because you can tech it. You can play Nomi in that deck as well. As well, um, you can play Nomi in any any control deck. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's gonna good. Nomi's a, honestly. I think Nomi's like one of the best cards in specialist just for how strong Warrior is. Right. It's just so easy to tech in. I mean, it's like a single card. It's it's a skillless card. <laughs> it's a miracle win card, and so I, I think any of those type of cards it works well. You know, especially in a format like like specialist. So, um, yeah, I mean, for those of you not, not familiar with the Nomi Priest, you know, that might be listening or watching. So Nomi Priest is, uh, you know, like Blade Face was saying, it's, it's definitely a deck that cycles a lot. You know, do you want to draw all your cards? And 
the premise of it is like you know you play Nomi multiple times. You know, like and Nomi is a card that fills your board with six sixes, so that you, you know you have basically forty two damage threatening for the very next turn if your opponent can't deal with it. And you know, as as many you know people think, oh well, Brawl does it. You know, Brawl does a good job and all this stuff. There's surprisingly not a ton of cards that deal with a full board of six sixes. You know, so um, that, I think that's one of the reasons why it's it's so good. But um, but I. I personally don't love the card you know i think it's it's interesting you know right now because it's it's uh i mean the priest has been around for like uh, you know a month now but um for the most part it still seems feels pretty fresh and i think it's fun right now while it's fresh and people are seeing it for the first time but i don't know i i just don't like the design of that card and i i could see it being a problem you know eventually kind of like i see you know lisiana for, for me is a problem as well but because it's just not crazy you know, being played to a crazy point quite yet. Like pe people haven't, or at least the developers haven't changed it at all yet. But, um, but you know, just what that card represents. You know, full board of six sixes for what you're spending on it. I mean, that's just that's just pretty silly, right? Um, well, I think the thing with Nomi is that it, it the format is so um, so polarized because of Rogue and Warrior. Like, there aren't any other tempo decks that can really be successful because they all get out tempoed by Rogue, and then they all get out they all get outvalued by Warrior. So, you know, normally when you think of Hearthstone, you think of like, you know, Zoo, maybe like Token Druidy type right. decks, you know, stuff where you like get on the board early and you like make some value trades. But um, yeah, I mean, they just can't compete with Rogue and Warrior. So once the format becomes like super polarized, it allows for Nomi type decks to I think be a lot better. I actually think that if Rogue was like nerfed, even though like it's kind of counterintuitive, I think the metagame would actually shift so Nomi wouldn't be as good. Because then decks like like decks that could play like Mountain Giant on turn four could be like more successful. Like Nomi can't like <laughs> Nomi so Priest funny. can't deal with Mountain Giant on turn four. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, it could run Shadow or Death, but like how often are they gonna have it if right. they run like one or run two or whatever? what's funny about Nomi and, and he alluded to it just with the the mage is that the, the problem that Nomi, Nomi uh, decks run into is that they just fill the entire board, so they they can't play anything else, you know. So if you're in a position where you're freezing stuff, you just you can't even do you can't silence like a you know like Frostnova Doomsayer, or you can't you know you can't do certain certain things you would normally do with like by playing a minion. So you get into these very interesting <laughs> type of board uh, or, or interesting scenarios where you have to play around them in, in very you know unconventional ways. So. That's cool. I mean, I think that that part is very interesting when you you know you create a different way, you know, like just a different path of a victory. But um, but yeah, I I would hate to see this all the time, you know. And I have a feeling we might be headed there, and that that would not be a, a good environment to be in. Yeah, it would be frustrating. Like you know, this card was released right after rotation, right. so mm -hmm. it is a, it is really scary to think about. Okay, well, what if more enablers come out down the line? We're gonna have to deal with Nomi for. Well, you know, however long it is, because yeah. it's more of a card. You just like, oh, it's you know, it's just like even odd. You first start playing even odd. Oh, it's cool. Like right. there's so many new archetypes that come out of it. After a year, you're like, I I can't stand even odd. Like every deck's yeah. just an even an odd deck now. Like yeah, yeah. And it's like uh, it goes down that path when when you know when there's something that is just completely crazy strong like rogue is you know from a tempo standpoint and all the you know just just everything that it has right now lackeys and everything. Um, you, you know they they need to. They have to fix that, right? Otherwise, we they just keep going down the path of just just basically power creep. You know, just just adding power to it. And I think one of the great things about this reset was the power reset was was something that I was looking forward to at least. 
And so, um, you know, it's, it's not too far off of it. I think there's just like a few things that are problematic right now. And, yeah. you know, we, we got a chance to ex- see some of the stuff at World Championship. That's what that's what's so great about like, or so funny right now is that Conquest is great. <laughs> you know, like whenever things are all new and, you know, we get a chance to see, a, you know, a bunch of different types of decks and classes. But then when you, you know, remove that variety, it becomes, you know, less great. So, um, so watching the world championship was like, it was refreshing, you know, just to find, you know, get a chance to see, even though a lot of you guys did play a couple decks that were similar, you know, we, we did see zoos, you know, we did see, see a lot of like, you know, actually blood face, you, you brought some different decks too. I mean, and, um, Roger brought like, the most different, right? So yeah. it was, I, I think it was Roger's really cool. Crazy, yeah. 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 Um, but, uh, but overall, you know, I, I think it's a great time for Conquest, but unfortunately, you know, we're not going to be playing Conquest anymore. Conquest is long dead. Yeah, it's long yeah, dead. So. so it was definitely fun making a lineup where it wasn't just, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we'll get it. <into laughs> it's not just Rogue War. Yeah. Later, but yeah. it's, I don't know, it, it's been nice having some, like a different uh, format to, to play with, especially when all that we're going to have now, at least with the foreseeable future, is going to be specialist. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, something, you know, really cool, I, you know, you mentioned it just a second ago that you played on it, but something that was announced today that, um, or at least on Twitter that, that I saw was um, this new summer series called Battle or Battle Rift from the Take a TV guys. And so let me show that real quick. Uh, where is it? Here we go. And um, really, really cool. You know, this is basically like a, a mini league that's going on, you know, for May, June and July. Uh, prize pools uh, it's going to be divided into like three different mini seasons i guess you can say in this league each each a month long and um it's kind of like a combination of ladder like a ladder system that feeds into you know like a tournament system and um you know you can kind of qualify for this end of the year land uh total prize pool i think for it is 35,000 so 5,000 for each of these uh individual seasons and then a 20,000 prize pool at the end uh, so pretty cool. I mean, this is like really, I mean, I'm just really shocked to be honest. Like when I saw this, I was like, wow, Blizzard let somebody do this? Really? <laughs> that That's like very surprising given that, you know, I've heard stories about them not allowing, you know, a certain event organizers to do some of the things they wanted. So this is like extravagant. And if you, to be honest, it, it somewhat rivals what they're doing, right? Like in, in a way. So, um, yeah, what's your thought? What's your thoughts on on what you see here from from uh, the whole uh, play, battle rift? Uh, maybe uh, language hacker. I'll start with you, given that you've played sure. some of the things. Um, I was a huge fan when they uh, had the battle rift before. I actually didn't even realize. I think for the first season that it existed. I like near the end of the season, I saw a couple other players streaming it, and I was like, "Battle rift? What is this? I haven't heard about this." And it's it, it's kind of nice. I mean, it, it's it's sort of like a, a pseudo ladder where you just everyone in the league can sign up between like specific hours and just queue and it, you get someone random on the website and then you just face them as you would in like a normal tournament and then or like a similar ladder thing i guess and it's just they have a their own mmr system that you work with and it was just kind of nice um and they were using different formats too i know originally they were using last year standing mm-hmm. and with the announcement of specialist they also um had a league where it was specialist for, for a month um it, it seemed like a pretty good alternative to just ladder um because i mean there was a nice format you could do. Um, yeah. yeah and, you know, I, mean, I guess Blizzard must have kept an eye on this because it seemed pretty successful. There were a lot of like um, high quality um, Euro players playing in these. And I think they have a couple like a pro league and like an amateur league. So it's it's open to the like public as well for the most part. I'm, I'm pretty sure the amateur league can let anyone in. Um, I haven't read all of this um, 
new announcement yet, so I'm not sure if it's very similar to what they had before. But my experience with it before was 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 really nice. My only awesome. the only caveat was that it was on Europe, and I don't have a lot of cards on Europe. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds great. I mean, it sounds like it's organized super well. Um, you know, like the asynchronous element of the laddering, you know, like playing each other and stuff is, you know, I think very convenient for everybody. And quite honestly, something we've probably needed for a while now. Um, but uh, Bloody, Bloody Face, what, what's your take on this? So, like, I think it's really important that when they're introducing a new competitive format, that you, you have a way to just, like, click a play button and play whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Because when they took ladder away, they basically took the competitive outlet that most people had for playing Hearthstone and converted it to an open cup system, which has so much dead time. Like let's say an open cup runs for 10 hours and you play like all 10 hours. Like you're not playing all 10 hours, right? You're like, you're playing five of those hours and you're sitting around your computer doing nothing or God knows what for five hours. And you just have all this dead time and it's terrible and it sucks. But the nice thing about like this league is that like it eliminates all that dead time. If you want to break off 10 hours to just like, commit to Hearthstone. You can just play Hearthstone for 10 hours. You can just take breaks when you want. I don't think it exactly works like that. I think there's like an eight-hour window when like the league is live. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like nice that like you can just go play whenever you want. Like, I think that's really big. I think that's my favorite thing about it is that you don't have mm-hmm. to like commit anything. You don't have to commit this huge block of time, you know, yeah. if you just like, because it, it's really tough to do that, especially with like all the warrior mirrors going on, just like lengthening the rounds. I think they showed a figure of where the average round length before the new set was like seventy minutes, and after it was like a hundred minutes or something. Oh, so, wow, really? Yeah, yeah. So the average time round time length has definitely increased. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just like I just like the ladder format. I also like that there's two different systems. Like, I think it's good for there to be a rival because yeah. you know, if you know, it's 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 the 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 master tour system might not be for everybody a lot of competitive hearthstone players aren't even 21 you know they might struggle for getting a hotel they might have to convince their parents to let them go to korea you know i know when i started playing other card games when i was really young it was hard to convince my parents to like you know travel like you know outside the country or like outside you know the continental area Mm -hmm. just to go play you know games or whatever and i think that like just having an online outlet that uh other people that might not be able to commit to traveling, you know, even if they're not young, they could just have work or whatever. Yeah. You know, I, I think that this is a good alternative and I, I think it's important for there to be alternatives. It's, I think it's really bad when there's just one thing. Yeah. And especially when that one thing, a lot of people are complaining about, to be honest, so the, the, it's awesome. the, I mean, to be honest, this could turn into the feeding system, you know, for, for whatever GM is, you know, like who, who knows. Right. Um, but the, the thing is, is like, we, we've seen, We've seen other esports have alternative ladders and have a lot of success with it. You know, like CS:GO had face it for you know face it and, and and different types of ladders like that in the past that the community adopted and, and some of them actually even preferred over over you know what uh, the game itself had. And I think that's one of the things that that part, um, Blizzard's been very worried about in the past. You know, just really uh, some third party creating like the competitive environment and they wouldn't have as much control with it but um but the fact that they're allowing this to happen now i feel like you know they're 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 opening up a bit you know about it and and it's a good sign it's a great thing i I think that allowing you know the community and third-party event organizers to to help with growing the competitive side of things and, and, and help support it is is good for blizzard like they don't have to to support and pay for everything right like have some other people help out with it so. yes exactly right? like 
Yeah, it also lets the people that are in Grandmasters stream something. Like, because yeah, yeah. right now people are just streaming Ladder, and Ladder's not like really that competitive right now. But, mm-hmm. you know, this is like actually like another competitive outlet. So it's going to yeah. be nice for streamers as well. Yeah, so kudos to the take, you know, Dennis and all those. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure who, maybe it wasn't Dennis specifically, but everybody at Take TV, like, definitely kudos for putting this together because this is, you know, I, I think that it, it probably took a long time to get this together and and you know they've proven they can execute well they've always executed well so i don't ex- you know i expect this to go very very well and uh you know i can't wait to see it the the next three months um yeah so sign up guys you can you know especially if you're in eu you know you can just join the event go here um you know i have the link in the the notes so if you guys actually i'll link it in the chat real quick too if anybody in chat is has a full eu account i definitely don't but <laughs> you know uh, maybe you guys do and you can play in play in it i mean the good news about it being specialist like one of the pros is that you don't need a full collection you can just try to make one meta deck yeah you can use that yes there are actually good too. things about specialist people like i know everybody shits on specialists all the time and so many people hate it but like yeah, there are man. some good things about it i'm not i'm not well, advocating well, especially when you, specialists when you don't have all the cards you know you don't have the optimal decks yeah i mean i think that that's where the potential is you know and, and we will talk about more in a second but um another bit of news that we've got here is um blizzard announced uh let's see what, what day was this um this was two uh, maybe yesterday that they're uh, asking us to save the day because there's two days, May 14th and 15th, and I guess that's a little bit before when they're going to release the solo adventure, you know, part of um, Rise of Shadows. And uh, they're ha- inviting streamers over, like kind of like what they did with the expansion, extre- uh, inviting streamers over to stream from, I guess, Blizzard HQ and, and get a chance to, to play some of the solo adventure for the first time, you know, before any of us can. So, um, you know, a lot, everybody's like, oh, yeah, you know, or I, I'm sure when they release this, there's like, oh, yeah, it's going to be another fun day. They can watch your favorite streamers, you know, like uh, play the solo adventure and it's going to be cool and bring maybe hype up the, the solo adventure release and, and whatnot. But I think it's kind of backfired on them some because the community has not really responded that way. And um, I mean, this is like what's on top of Reddit today, which is, you know, they, the general uh, you know, gist of what he's saying is that you know, get, allowing streamers to stream early access stuff kind of kills the hype for everybody else because it's you know it's new content and um, you know the the one thing I want to I want to mention first off is that this solo adventure is not like the puzzle you know Boomsday puzzle where it's like if you see what what the answers are then it's completely spoiled and it's just like you know it totally ruins what the the solo adventure content would be it's not going to be that it's going to be you know more of a replay it's definitely replayable i can tell you that much it's very very replayable <clears throat> so you're not going to see that but i think that it there is still something to be said about just the fact that you know the the hype is kind of gone a little bit you know when when somebody else gets to experience it first and if you're the type that wants to be that day one type of person you know that that gets to play games for the first time on, on day one um you don't have that ability to do it you know and you can't even control it you can't you know get in line and be or what maybe not so much for hearthstone but you can't even do anything to to be the first person to play so yeah i mean what do you think of language hacker, hacker like do you are you in the same bucket here do you care or i mean is there any any notion to this that 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 you agree with um i so i like some of the pre-release events they do where they kind of showcase a bunch of stuff or like give you a sort of sneak peek 
Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of for that. And a couple examples are that like when um, a new expansion is coming out, obviously they have the, um, the primary card, um, what do they call them? I forgot what they call, but they basically have like a stream where they show ten cards, and that's like they oh, yeah. they have the very beginning, the, yeah, the first card reveal, right? The first, yeah, that's what, yeah, the first reveals they have, and that that I, that I think causes hype because that's really exciting. We're all in, like we're all watching and gaining that. But when they have something like this where they're basically showing everything, but having only some streamers go and do it, like I'm excited that it's coming out, and I'm I'm curious to see what it's going to be about, but. Uh, all I'm going to do is maybe watch the stream for like 10 minutes to get an idea of what it's going to be like. And then I want to turn it off because I kind of want to experience it myself, even though it's not going to be like, like you said, the, the Boomsday puzzle where it's not just, oh, you know, the solution, that's it. But I, I kind of want to be able to experience it myself and like find all these crazy interactions that might pop up. Right. Yeah. Blayface. Feel the yeah, same I mean, way. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, personally, I don't really <laughs> care. I don't like doing any of the solo adventure stuff. Yeah. But I can definitely understand like why people are frustrated. Like it when it's not as fun if you just like get to so- see someone else do it first. Yeah. And it's just like I guess yeah, like you said it's backfiring on them because what are they really trying to accomplish? It seems yeah. like they're really trying to accomplish generating hype, right? I and think I don't, I don't know. Like because, I like, <laughs> if they just released it all the same time, Crip and you know disguised toast and all these people, they're going to stream it anyways. I know that's what. So that's why what are they giving me. them early like, access? Well, what is this accomplishing? Are they trying to generate hype this way? Like it's, well, I don't I mean, know. I, also, I think you can speculate on on a few things, right? I think that giving these streamers, um, you know, some some nice opportunities. Uh, a it keeps them streaming Hearthstone, right? Like these people could you know, they could move to doing something else, you know, like, like Toast streams a lot of other stuff, you know, I think these days, still Hearthstone's his best performer, but he does stream other stuff, right? And, and Crip even streams some other stuff every once in a while, even if it's not like bounty stuff. So, I mean, for me, you know, giving, you know, the top streamers this type of thing, I think keeps them making Hearthstone content, which makes sense. I mean, I, I don't blame him for doing that. But but you're right. Like day one, it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be the same, you know, popular streamers streaming just from home. At the same time, we get to play, but we get to play along with them. You know, like yeah. I don't I don't think that there's that big a difference. So um, and it's I, still kind of a sneak preview for some yeah. people because for me personally, when I worked at a job, I would be sneaking, looking at a stream, you know, <laughs> watching other people experience it for the first time. Or you know, when I was in college and the new expansion, you know, back when they used to do like these mini card expansions for like twenty cards or whatever, mm-hmm. I'd always be like having my phone out under the desk, like just watching people play it. That was yeah. kind of my freak or whatever. So yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a crowd out there that will watch it, and there's a crowd out there that will want to play it, and it seems weird to me to separate and just only cater to the people that only want to watch it, and basically everyone else that wants to play it, they just I mean, we have just, we have millions of other jealousy, people that play, right? We have millions of people that play Hearthstone, and we have probably yeah. like a hundred thousand people that watch it. Yeah, so yeah it's, it's a very like, small subset. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, I it, sure. I mean they they definitely have the right, you know, like good intentions with it. I don't think they're doing it, you know, like to to, to you know, really ruin it for us. I mean, obviously that that would be terrible for them and their business. But uh, at the same time, you know, you have to wonder like are they do like is this actually what they should be doing, you know, in terms of the community? And uh, at this point, I think you know, we, we've kind of seen it with the expansion. And I mean, I'm the type where I, I want to play it for the, for on the first day. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just want to be that person that plays it. So even just these pre-stream things has been, you know, pre-expansion things, I haven't really loved. Because it's like, by the time I get a chance to play it, it's like, 
the decks have already been somewhat, you know, there's already been some figuring out of decks and people already playing, you know, some uh, decks with some refinedness to it. And it's just not that same kind of wild west that, that you know, we, we experience on the first day, which can be really, really fun because it's like non-optimal decks, you know, and, and, and getting a chance to experience the cards in that way. So, um, you know, I, I think that we're, we keep doing this, like we, we keep previewing stuff, we keep doing it. And I'm not sure if it's elongating the, the excitement and hype, it, you know, and I feel like that's why they're doing it. Uh, I don't know if it actually accomplishes that. So, um, you know, maybe they'll, hopefully they'll learn from this, you know, at least in terms of the solo stuff. You know, I think people were already like, okay, the solo stuff's coming two weeks after all this or three weeks after the the expansion. That's already, you know, like like dragging it out. This is like, you know, I think <laughs> obviously the straw that broke the camel's back is everybody's coming out and, and, and really expressing their opinions on it. But uh, but yeah, so we'll see who it is. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's a bunch of small streamers. Maybe they're giving a bunch of small streamers opportunity. That that would be cool, right? That 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 could actually be a, a good way to spin it. But if it is just the same streamers again, then it's just like, oh, okay, it's the same type of thing again. But I guess we'll have to see. Uh, let's see. Okay. Well, anyways, I think from from the standpoint of news, that's pretty much all we got right now. But uh, want to just remind you guys or let you guys know that. This episode of Valley Town is sponsored by uh, ZipRecruiter. You guys aren't familiar with ZipRecruiter? It is a recruiting job site that, um, that that aggregates a bunch of different job sites, so you don't have to go and create accounts at a bunch of different ones and have to track them that way. Uh, the nice thing about ZipRecruiter is it sends your jobs over to a, like a hundred different uh, job boards, and uh, they use like this powerful technology to kind of match, you know, who the best candidates are for for whatever you're looking for. And uh, four out of five employers who also post on ZipRecruiter get a quality, or who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And I can attest to that too. I've used ZipRecruiter to try to find an engineer, and on the very first day, I literally got like 50 candidates, you know, emails that sent me like 50 candidates to look at. So uh, definitely never have have experienced that with any other other sites before. So, so um, anyways, right now with uh, listeners of Valuetown, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at uh, ZipRecruiter.com slash Valuetown. And that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Valuetown. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, let's talk about world championships because, you know, you guys were, you know, two of the the 16 people that I got a chance to experience going to the world champion. And to be honest, like there haven't been any people that have gotten a chance to experience world champions period in the history of uh, Hearthstone. So, you know, you guys are definitely in a select group and, um, you know, wanted to spend, get, have you guys on the show and, and get a chance to, to talk about it and, and hear just what it was like for you guys. So, um, Taiwan, you know, I, everything I've seen from, from tweets and everybody, they're like, oh, I'd love to come back to Taiwan. So obviously it was a, a great time, even just in the city and, and, and just in the country. And yeah, I wanted to, to hear about it. So um, yeah, bloody face, like thoughts on just being in Taiwan for the world championships and, and, and everything. Was it, uh, uh, you know, was it as exciting as it looked for everybody or any, any uh, personal antidotes, anecdotes you have about Taiwan? I mean... I mean, Taiwan was amazing. Like, I, I love the city. Uh, I I don't even know where to start. There's just so many things <laughs> I love about it. I love food. It. Was food great there? 
Food was great. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually funny because at first, um, you know, I actually went with my girlfriend and it was her first time traveling out of the country. So she got to experience that and it was was really fun to be there with her, you know, for her first time experiencing. And, you know, at first, like we kind of, we didn't venture out too much because when I got there, I had to prep for worlds and stuff, you know, we're just eating hotel food. But once we stepped outside our comfort zone and kind of ate out, like uh, we started eating some this uh dentai fung which is a uh, soup dumplings yes yeah, yeah just that's good. and we went to the night markets and just got more dumplings there basically street food's awesome dumplings. right street food is yeah, so great ramen. yeah 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 uh yeah, it's very cheap too which yeah. i also love i'm pretty frugal <laughs> i went into the trip setting you know a certain budget and ended up going like way under my budget and i was very very happy about that um because you know it's hearthstone is basically my full-time job and you know if you have a rough year want to make sure you have some money saved up so it's nice Mm -hmm. that uh this trip was relatively cheap and we ate out all the time so yeah i mean honestly you know my girlfriend and i we were joking about moving to taiwan we loved it so much Mm, yeah (laughs) but uh you're not the only one like i I feel like a lot of people came out feeling like that yeah uh, the overall experience was wonderful like Mm -hmm. it was amazing i honestly couldn't even i i i I didn't even know it'd be that great like (laughs) going into it yeah and just yeah. everything was easy, like tra- like uh, transportation, and um, I mean, speaking English was that fine over in Taiwan? Or yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know, I just know a few phrases. Like I can, I can like say like uh, hello, thank you, yeah. like how many pieces I want and stuff like that when okay. I'm asking about. But yeah, for transportation, they have a good train system, but we didn't really use that. We just used Uber and taxi. They were relatively cheap. I think like nice. I think like a 15 to 20 minute taxi ride only cost me like five bucks. It was just like, wow. yeah. That's yeah. ridiculous. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's what taxis cost when Language, you walk actually, into it. And, yeah. and just like the food was so good. Language Hacker <laughs> and I on the last day we ate brunch, you know, me and him and both of our girlfriends. And the cost for two whole like meals, like, great meals and a drink was $10 total. And if I go to somewhere in the States for something that equivalent, I'm paying like 30 bucks. You can eat McDonald's for $10 for two meals, right? So that's awesome. Crazy. Yeah, I I love Taiwan. I'm a frugal person, as as you can see. So, and I love food. So it just, it just hit all the right notes for me. Yeah. Yeah. Language hacker. How about you? I mean, uh, pretty much (laughs) similar boat. Like I, I traveled there with my girlfriend as well and we uh we kind of did the same thing after prep was done we went out a lot um and so beforehand she she actually went on google maps and kind of looked at everything in like a one mile radius and was like all right we're going there we're going there we're going there we're going there so by the end of the trip we ended up hitting a lot of places and and these weren't even like you know i call like dentai fun was like a very well-known um restaurant there it's kind of yeah um these were all like holes in the wall, like nooks and crannies and stuff. And it, there was not one place we went to that we left and like, we're like, oh, we're not going there again. Everything was just, I mean, we wanted to try new stuff. So we went to different locations, but like every place we went to, I just have nothing but positive things to say about it. People are friendly. They were helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, they almost always had like English menus. Sometimes they didn't, but like the servers would be really nice. They'd come over and try to like help you actually pick out what you want and then explain stuff like positive experience. Absolutely everywhere. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, how many, how many days were you guys there? I think, uh, so we were there, I think maybe 10 days, give or take. I think bloody ended up coming a week earlier to try and beat the jet lag. Yeah. I was there for three weeks. Wow. So like, yeah. Oh gosh, that's awesome. We met in there like two weeks ish. Mm, okay, cool. So, um, 
Uh, when did all the, you know, you know, I know part of like world championships and getting there early is you have to do all those B-rolls and, you know, like, like all that stuff. Um, the, does that take, a lot of people don't know, but does that tough stuff take a long time to do? Like all those interviews and everything? To some extent, what they usually do is they take all the, uh, or like they split up the competitors into groups and do yeah. like, this group does this day, this group does another day. Mm -hmm. And otherwise you'd have the days off. Um, on the days you're doing stuff, you're usually busy for most of the day. Um, but they, they usually allot like three or four days um, before you actually have to do that stuff. So like you fly, like after you fly in, just kind of like fix your sleep schedule, kind of get rested. And then after a few days, they'll start doing the interviews yeah. and stuff. Was everybody hanging out with each other for the most part? Like everybody that was there? I mean, all the GMs were there too because they had the summit there, right? Uh, like right after and and obviously influencers and whatnot. But I mean, was was all, basically all the Americans and, you know, Europeans basically hanging out with each other or everybody was kind of doing their own thing? I mean, there's, there's always contingencies, right? Yeah. Like you got certain friend groups. But yeah, I mean, for the most <laughs> yeah. part, everybody's chilling and hanging out with each other. Cool. The GMs actually came like after World started, and we were there like obviously before World started. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's really not much to do. We just sit around and watch each other play ladder and stuff, and just chill. Yeah. Some people are more serious and just like do more prepping type stuff. I did a little bit of both. Cool. You know. Yeah. But um, let's talk about that stage, man. Like, so was the stage in person? I mean, I have a feeling the stage in person was more impressive than it was even just to on on camera but it was impressive on camera how how big like is there any any kind of uh uh i don't know type of reference you can give that to, to like describe how big that stage was i mean was it i mean was it the it was on the basketball court right so yeah. was it like half court was it filling up most of the court like how big was that thing so it's like yeah. a third court a third yeah court? oh it's only a third oh okay that wasn't that big then okay I don't know. You know, I mean, it was still pretty big. Yeah. It was an LED, though. The entire thing was an LED, right? Yeah. 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 It was an LED. You know, uh, for me personally, I was so focused on my matches. I feel yeah. like I didn't really get to take in what it felt like to be on that stage and what it felt like to be in front of that crowd. Like, it, yeah. it just, it never really soaked in. Like, I honestly didn't even notice it. Like, <laughs> it's funny to say, like, I don't, I didn't even really notice I was playing in front of the crowd. Like, it just felt like I was just playing Hearthstone, you know? Was there a big crowd there? Because th I don't think they represented it very well on the the uh, the stream itself, you know. Like, because the crowd didn't seem like they were, you know, super close. They seemed like, you know, the the basketball arenas seem like elevated. You know, like the, the seats are a bit elevated and, and for, far away. Um, I just wasn't sure if that was just the stream, you know, and their camera work versus reality. I mean, how close was the crowd to you guys? Not very. Not very. Not very. Okay. okay. Like probably like twenty yards. At least twenty yards. Okay. Wow, that's pretty far. Okay. The first the first couple of days it wasn't super busy because it was on Thursday and Friday, and I don't think many people took days off work to go do it. But right. Saturday, Sunday really like picked up, and the crowd did start getting really full. Okay. Yeah. Basically, every time Roger was on stage or Blood Trail <laughs> was on stage because right. they're both Taiwanese players, yeah, the crowd was packed and like people showed up to go play it. As soon as their match was over, everybody left. <laughs> like or most of the locals left except really? with the only exception on like the top eight the final day like yeah. the crowd was like pretty packed like the entire day okay well, that's good then yeah i, fi I figured the taiwan uh, yeah the taiwan crowd would be pretty solid you know compared to some of the other uh some of the other countries i mean i know like last year right like in amsterdam i mean they're 
there's just not as many people, you know, I think very centralized in Amsterdam. So, um, you know, a lot of people went out for that one, but, the the local crowd itself, I don't think was like super huge, uh, even though turnout was okay. But so this, this sounded like it was a lot better, which is, which is great. You know, definitely great that, that Taiwan was able to host and represent that way. Um, you know, getting into, uh, you know, just maybe just some of the, the playing, you know, the, the actual days and everything. Um, yeah, I mean, how, how was y'all's experience in group and just, just from the four days? Like, uh, how, how did you, uh, what, what day do you think was the, the toughest day for you guys in terms of, like, maybe the amount of matches you played or just, just you know, from the stress level and everything? Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, yeah. So, like, the, the first day... I mean, it, it kind of depended on what groups we were in. I played on the first day, mm -hmm. um, lost my initial match, and then day two I played two sets, which I won, and then on the final day, I guess top eight was. Mm -hmm. And then on the final day I played uh, one more match in the morning. Um, it definitely felt like the, the second day was a bit of a marathon. Mm -hmm. Like, it's... it's The white noise wasn't crazy loud. Um, it's softer than I've had at other events, and I tend to get headaches after listening to it for a long time. So after, like, one set, I'm like, okay, but usually around the second set, my head starts aching a little bit. So if, if I did make it into top eight, and I was marathoning at the end, like, at the final day, it would have probably gotten really bad by the end of the day. What is the what is the white noise exactly? Is it just... I mean, is it, like, what the is it? The first day was just, like, kind of staticky. Okay. But the second day after some complaints, I think they ended up switching to a different loop where it was like just heavy rain and um, okay. it's a, it was a bit more uh, manageable. Okay. Buddy, the, does that, that affect you at all? Like, was it too annoying? Okay. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. I don't notice. Yeah, that'd be terrible I mean, like, if it was like... I don't notice anything, I guess. Like, <laughs> I, I, when you first walk up on stage, there's like tons of lights in your face and obviously there's a giant crowd, but like, I don't know. Yeah. It's like it sounds like you can focus well. <laughs> you're you're really good at focusing when it when it comes time. Um, so any, I mean, I'm just going to be kind of a generic question, but match like the most notable matches to you, like the, the in terms of the the matches you played, you know, and it doesn't have to be one that you won. I mean, actually, one you lost. I mean, but which which do you think were the key matches for you that you that that, that you remember and you know, like you, you definitely have strong feelings about. So I like, mean, for me, it's, yeah, yeah, for me, it's against Hunter Ace. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you, you mentioned strong feelings the night before. I ha I was tossing and turning. I I had nightmares. He kept playing attention Edwin Van Cleef on turn two, <laughs> and like I was just so scared. I was getting high rolled, and yeah, like that was the most nervous I ever felt going into a match. And I don't know why. Like generally speaking, I don't get like super nervous. Like I definitely get like a little bit of nerves, but I definitely like. Yeah, I think it was just more like. You know, it's the world stage. I'm going against Hunter Ace. Like, everyone thinks he's the best. Like, I, I've never actually played against him before. Like, I've never actually, like, I don't know what his play style is like. I don't know if he, like, plays fast. I don't know if he plays slow. Maybe I should have, like, watched his play style a little bit more to, like, help calm my nerves. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, like, I was just, like, super nervous going into that match. Um, and I think that, like, yeah, I did get a little bit unlucky, you know, obviously with, like, the brawl and whatever. And, like, yeah. he was on coin with Mage and had turn two Book of Spectres. Oh, I remember every game just, yeah. like, <laughs> I don't know why, but, like, when, the more nervous I am, the more I remember, like, every game, like, in more detail. And, uh, yeah, even, like, I, I'm still, like, frustrated because it, against him, I had a play where I just didn't play around Hagatha and... 
I could have Conjurus Calling my Giggling oh. Inventor, mm-hmm. and I had a turn where I played Scale Worm and traded to his Acolyte. Just, I had a 5-3, a 2-1, and a 5-8, and he just coined Hagatha. Mm-hmm. And I could have Conjurus Calling my Giggling Inventor instead. I know it's like kind of hard to picture the board yeah. state or whatever, but basically... That single mistake of not playing around Hagatha was really stupid, especially because back when Shutterwalk was around, I also had a tendency to not play around Hagatha. So for some reason, I had not internalized that Hagatha was a card, even though I've played against it many times. <laughs> it's a pretty good card, uh, man. <laughs> and, I, and I'm pretty sure that single mistake just like cost me the entire match because yeah, had I make that play, he can't coin Hagatha. He has to Hagatha scheme early. Then I can follow up with Mountain Giant. And basically, he can't play Hagatha for, for like three more turns. And then he basically has like three turns of like where he doesn't get extra cards or whatever. And then if I win that match, I have my hunter against his shaman, which is like a free win for me because mid-range hunter never runs out of cards since mm-hmm. I have double dire frenzy. I also have pressure. Like I can literally fatigue shaman as hunter and I can kill him. Like the, the matchup's like almost free. So it's just like really frustrating that like this one single mistake, I feel like not only oh, did it wow. cost me the whole series, but it like it cost me like the chance of like winning worlds, like getting the top four, you know, we're playing for a hundred K. Yeah. It, it's still like, I, st- I actually still have like nightmares about it. Like, <laughs> Oh no, man. <laughs> taking me some time to, it's taking me yeah. some time to probably, I, I mean, realize, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm mentally oh, fine. Like I'm not like yeah, yeah. depressed about it, you know, but like there will be moments in the day where, you know, I just think about it and it still stings. That wasn't but... nerves though or anything, right? That was just, uh, your it was tendency. Nerves. It was just. It, it, it was it nerves actually that you. It was. You it was. It was nerves and the combination of just me forgetting Hagatha was a card for a split second, right. and me just right. like zoning in on the fact that like, oh, I don't want him to get two draws off Acolyte. I want to mm-hmm. save my Conjurer's Calling for my Mountain Giant. You know, I'm like, I'm like basically tunneling yeah, in on these minor details that don't matter. Right. And you know, if you just zoom out for a second, just think about like, oh, if you just coin Hagatha this year, like that's just insane for him. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you know, and I think like when you do tunnel in. It, it is like your nerves because um you know when you're like really nervous you can't like access your higher level thinking you you tend to just go off like your experiences and you tend to autopilot a little bit more mm-hmm. and yeah. you know my autopilot game was not very strong at recognizing that Hagatha was a card <laughs> so i think that yeah if i uh wasn't as nervous i think if i was just playing a normal ladder game i would have probably figured it out i would have mm-hmm. probably conjures calling it but I think honestly, I think the nerves did get the better of me in that case. Yeah, so, I mean, it is I, what I, it is. I didn't, I didn't actually realize that that you know that play was you know so monumental. So um, I mean, it's it's great that you're you know getting a chance to explain it to everybody because you know I think a lot of people probably that are listening or watching don't didn't realize realize that as well. And and it's like these little things, right, that can really mean that it's the difference between lots of money and possibly winning a championship so yep. you know people are wondering oh it's just you know a lot of it's just polarized or whatever it's like no no it's like when we're at this level it's it is all of these little tiny plays that you're you're not going to see as a you know an average player and, and you know the, you guys do so that's awesome yeah. man yeah I it's mean, like I, for if anybody watches chess out there it's basically like if magnus carlson versus like i don't even know who the number two is right now but just like if they just blundered a pawn basically you know that's yeah. like throwing the whole game at a lower level you blunder a pawn your opponent might not even notice it or whatever it might not even be <laughs> right. feel it's recoverable right but you know such a minor mistake at the highest level can just yeah. cost you everything and if you rewatch that bod hunter ace coin hagatha in literally like 0.1 second like he didn't even think about it <laughs> just, as soon as his turn hit right. he just went coin hagatha just immediately like right. that's like 
that's like how obvious of a mistake it was. Right. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, language hacker. How about you? Like matches wise, I, I have to say, like language hacker, your matches were probably the most entertaining ones that I watched. <laughs> I'm serious. I, like I get that a lot. You, I remember you, you playoffs. There's some crazy yeah. stuff that happened. Champs. Yeah. There was some crazy stuff that happened, and now at Worlds as well. No, your 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 series with Killing it was was some some really good stuff. You know, I was watching. And I I definitely had a, there, some questions for you too, but I, I kind of want to hear your your thoughts first. Like, what was your most impactful or just you know most memorable, notable match that you played? Um, I so I want to say that the my third match of the tournament, where it was uh, the rematch of me and Killing and um, a decider match of our group. Um, basically, the winner goes to top eight, the loser gets knocked out. Mm -hmm. um, that was probably the most, I think, memorable for one for me, and, and and also kind of the most important one. Um, I in our initial match was me against Killen, and he he ended up beating me there. I, I think I did play a little um, rocky there. There were definitely some mistakes and some takeaways that I got, which happened at like champs as well. I, I had a really rocky first day there. Um, uh, going to the second day, though, um, against Muzzy's lineup, my lineup was very favorable, so I needed to just like keep my head up, don't do anything too stupid, and just try to make good plays. And that panned out nicely. And then in um, the decider match against Killen, this is kind of an important match at this point. We're at the point, we're past the point where you, you can lose a game and still keep going. You're, you're like, every every match is an elimination match now. Um, and in practice, it didn't feel that bad against Killen's lineup. Um, a lot of the times it was just even in our sets. It was maybe like 55-45. Not, so nothing crazy. It just, it'll come down to the actual games and, and seeing what happens. And I, I can't even remember fully what happened in most of the match, but like my favorite game, even though I lost it, was um, me playing the Miracle Rogue versus his Bomb Warrior. Because I feel like in, in practice I played that really... I don't know. It, it's kind of a weird matchup because it's not like normal Pirate Rogue where I can just try to like out-tempo them and then kill them. Mm -hmm. Um... I mean, I, I can still try to do that, and I should try to pressure them so that they're not them pressuring me, but I'm not, like, running Leroy. Most of my win condition is toggling something huge and then scheming it if I if I can, or just pushing as hard as I can to try and kill him. Um, and I don't know. I just felt like that, that match was really was really nice because I had to just get past the fear of what if I draw a bomb, what if I draw a bomb. Right. There was at one point where I, don't, I had, like, six health and I had two bombs left in the deck, but, like... I was kind of out of resources, and I thought I just, I just not, I had to sprint. Like if I draw bombs, I draw bombs. But yeah, and and in the past, I, I played kind of scared and stuff, and I, I was very happy in that match. I was like, I need to play sprint or I run out of resources. So if I draw bombs, then I draw bombs, and I ended up doing that. And then there were a lot of fireworks happening over the next few turns, and then <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I drew the you final bomb. Almost pulled it off, though, but yeah, it was, it was pretty close. Yeah, it was pretty close. So I had a question for you for like the the game before that. You know, like the one where it was the shaman versus. Uh, the bomb oh, warrior. Oh yeah. Did you ever consider that. just burning cards the whole time? Like, you know, like when you had ten cards and it was just like bombs that were going to do significant damage to you, you could just stay on ten forever, right? And just burn them if you wanted to. With not technically forever. So if he plays a single minion, um, so okay, mm -hmm. at post Agatha, yeah. Um, if you have, let's say you have a full ten cards, there's some spells, there's some minions. You can play a minion if it can clear your opponent's minion and still stay on a full hand. But if you play a spell, um. It doesn't. You don't get anything back from that. So then you go down to nine. Mm -hmm. uh, I did have a lackey in hand, and the lackeys generate two cards because it generates. Oh, sorry, it was like lackey or. or I might have been ethereal lackey. I, I was. It was a lackey that gave me two cards. I think mm -hmm. another another maybe a spell, and then like the the Haggatha spell as well. Um, 
So at that point I can use a spell and then the lackey and then maintain my hand size. But other than that, if I just don't do anything, what Killen can do is play a single minion and then just have that basically solo me. Because if, if I use a spell to deal with it, then I can draw a card. So there was, a, there was one point where I thought I want to give him as few chances to just blow me out of the game with five bombs in a row. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure I have something on board to trade into something that he's going to play. Uh, Near the end, I misplayed um, because when he, I should have been hand tracking better. He was pretty much out of everything and I could have just kept the full hand and then that would have been checkmate because he can't do anything right. unless he discovers next. Isn't he also like fatiguing for like six or seven as well? Yeah. yeah. Was it was still like yeah. five or six turns out though. Like he was at 40, 50 armor. Yeah. Well, 40, 50 health, including armor and, and right. life. Um, in the middle of the game, I wanted to try to st stay close to a full hand, but still, um, so basically be able to fill my hand if necessary, but I wanted to at least just try to like preemptively stifle what he's going to put on board. Hmm. But near the end of the game, I, um, I did kind of stray away from that game plan and I should have stayed on a fuller hand. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, I ended up going down. down. <laughs> you ended up still winning. Yeah. So, but I was like, oh man, that would be so awesome if you just, you know, you just burned all the bombs. And it was, you didn't watch, you know, Killen had, had a bomb warrior and, you know, he was definitely very vocal about just bomb warriors being, you know, like the, the right, you know, type of warrior to bring, which, you know, might have been right, correct. But, but, um, you know, so. Uh, it, it was it was kind of late in the game, and Language Hacker had a full hand. I think he might have burned one of them, and it, it was getting really interesting because I, I was like, "Oh my god, this would be so epic if you just hold a full hand the rest of the game." And he dies of fatigue, and you burn all his bombs. Uh, but it, it ended up working out that it was it was much more interesting, you know, when you started playing. So, uh, but anyways, that, that, is, that was really it. Definitely is an interesting uh, matchup because. Um, and this is only something you learn by playing multiple games and like all the way through to like fatigue. Because yeah. from the bomb warrior's perspective, if you just wait before Eliciana and then just shuffle like seven bombs in or like six bombs in in one turn, that that's an OTK. So from from the shaman's perspective, when you're getting close to fatigue, you have to archivist early. Otherwise, you risk actually just drawing six bombs if your opponent goes in for that. If you're not on a, a full hand, right? There's some interesting like uh, hmm. intricacies in the matchup. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, so, uh, you know, overall, you know, those of you that, I mean, you can watch it for this at this point, it's not spoilers, you know, anymore, but, um, you know, in the end, Hunter Ace, you know, after, you know, after, def um, defeating Bloody Ace ended up moving on, um, who did he play in the semis? He played, uh, Jing, was it Jing he played in the? Yeah, he played, yeah, he played SMG. Jing. Yeah, he played SMG and then, and then ended up beating, uh, Viper in, uh, a very thrilling final. So that last game, holy crap, man! I, I was like, "Is Rafam going to really make a difference for the first time ever?" And uh, man, almost—he just ran out of ran out of steam at the end there. But uh, that was, you know, pretty exciting and, and great. You know, I guess ending to the World Championships. Um, but yeah, so anyways, you know, NRH ended up winning Viper. You know, any thoughts on that? I mean, do you? I mean, I know Bloody Phase, you obviously feel very specific about it, but, I mean, Hunter Ace, you guys feel like he should should have been the world champion, or, I don't know. Uh, outside of yourself, obviously. <laughs> I don't I don't believe in should or should. Okay, okay, all right. I think yeah. I think almost all 16 players there had a, yeah. You can't say deserve, because, like, it deserves, like, a subjective thing, but, I mean. I don't think anyone played perfectly. Like, yeah. I don't think anyone did anything that was just, like, spectacularly amazing. I think everybody, like, was more or less, like, on the same level. Like, I'm not trying to take anything away from Hunter Ace. I think, like, 
I, I mean, his shaman deck was like pretty sweet. I mean, mm-hmm. brought ancestral healing and giggling inventor. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. So definitely like props to him. But uh, yeah, no, I mm-hmm. mean, I think he played well. I, I, I'm also happy for Viper as well since yeah. he was fighting for Grandmasters and he needed to beat Bunny Hopper in the finals to like uh, lock that up. Or in the semis, I think. Semis, yeah. Or sorry, he needed yeah. to beat Bunny Hopper in the semis or have Hunter Ace beat Bunny Hopper in the finals. But yeah, so I think that uh, after he got to that stage, he was pretty happy, even though he didn't win. Yeah, no, that's great. I love, I mean, I, I definitely like Viper as a player and it just, you know, just creativity, just just his openness to trying anything out, you know, and bringing anything. I really, that's the one thing I love about Viper. And obviously he's a great player in terms of nav- um, uh, piloting decks as well, so... Um, you know, one thing that we also got a chance to look at was just, um, you know, uh, esports or ES charts, um, ended up, or sorry, ESC ended up, um, uh, or somebody ended up posting what the viewership was for the event. And, um, you know, I think the event did pretty well, you know, like even just for the English streams, it's been a while since we, you know, we've gotten over a hundred K, you know, for any, any type of, uh, uh, Hearthstone event, much less you know. It's, it looks like Twitch's peak was actually two hundred, you know, seventy three thousand. This is the total yeah. for all the world championship streams, like all languages. Yeah, not I think just- so. I think everything okay. together, right? Gotcha. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that that's concurrence, right? Like the 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 peak. That's that's pretty. Oh well, yeah, it shows all of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, like the Chinese are usually the Chinese numbers usually are double or or, or higher, right? Um, so this time around, it wasn't. You know, it was like a little bit less than half. It looks like so. Even the English stream being one hundred forty-three thousand. That's like, that's way higher than anything we've seen in a long time. So, um, you know, that's great. I mean, it's definitely a good sign. You know, like it's it's good for Hearthstone to see those type of numbers. Europe freaking dominating. Look at all the European <laughs> flags. We're, we're, oh yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, we, yeah, we got to get some more North Americans. You know, like all EU. Got to get that China. respect back. Yeah. <laughs> We got a few quarterfinal spots. That's true. That's true. Oh, wait, how many? Two? Or three? Three. 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 Yeah, same, right? yeah. yeah, that was three it. Three EU, three NA, yeah. and then two, uh, two China. Two China. China. That's good for China, too. Um, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, any, you know, again, like, definitely grats to both of you guys for, for a great year. You know, um, how many, what was the prize pool for, for top eight? It was, was the prize 20, how much? 50K. 50K? 50K? Nice. Yeah, that's nice. That's definitely a nice prize to, to kind of come home with. Um, and good weekend. Yeah, definitely a good weekend. So moving forward, you know, obviously, you know, I, I think it's kind of a different, different path, you know, moving forward, I think for each of you guys. But, um, uh, you know, I think one thing that we wanted to talk about here was just like the esports arena, which was, um, you know, I think a, a, a pretty good look at the specialist format with a lot of you know players that a lot of people know. You know, a lot a lot of very notable players, kind of right off the the world championships and and kind of going straight into this. And so, you know, I, I think a lot of people were were talking about it and, and, and watching. Actually, not a lot of people were watching it. I mean, I think the viewership was actually really low on it. But I ended up watching it just because I was really really curious to see you know if it's actually people that I. I uh, would normally want to watch, you know, or we're playing it. Maybe I would uh, react a little bit better to this, to the format. 
but um but for me it, it wasn't any better <laughs> like watching specialists so i wanted to kind of like talk about the event first and then maybe kind of uh, expand into the talk about just specialists in the format and what you guys think of it given you guys are going to be the ones playing it so did you guys catch the esports arena event at all yeah i watched well i didn't watch it but i i looked at all the decks i watched some matches and i saw the end result so yeah i Shame. followed it same any any thoughts on it any um you know shout out to just saying you know i appreciate somebody not somebody actually taking a risk to, for a very <laughs> low stakes tournament i would have liked to see people trying more stuff since it's, not, it's like pretty low stakes right yeah like i thought it was cool that he brought bomb wear but no i mean like everyone just flew back in from taiwan they probably only had like a day or two to prep right. and it's pretty obvious that like rogues and rogues really easy to build right like you yeah. just like the, the deck is already refined. It's great. And then you just you side into the Miracle Rogue strategy for the Warrior. And then you just have this third deck that you can either tech it for like Zoo or Mage or whatever you expect. It's very like ABC, very easy to do. And I think that's why so many people brought it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool to see Racy make top four, you know, mm -hmm. with his, uh, yeah. you know, one of the, was he the only Warrior deck in the entire field? I think he was the only warrior deck in the entire field. And it's actually kind of funny because does warrior even beat rogue in specialists? I don't think it does. I actually think that rogue is favored in the best out of three. Um, if you look at even the results from uh, the first uh, soul qualifier, WOT1, he beat two bomb warriors in uh, top eight. And I just think that it just kind of shows that like rogue can't really be stopped. I mean, yeah. I mean you have to really really dig deep to beat rogue because you can beat rogue game one like yeah. warrior can beat rogue game one no question but but rogue can still nut draw you that's the thing like even if you're a 60 40 favorite like rogue can still nut draw you but then rogue just gets to take out like all their like backstabs and their wisps or whatever and they put in like tog waggles no me and sprints and whatever and like they just never run out of gas and like warrior can never pressure rogue so it's just how does like i, I just it's a very tough problem to solve like I, I don't personally i don't think the answer to beating rogue is with warrior i think it's like with one of these new decks like with nomi priest or like this m elemental mage or something i think you have to you have to kill the rogue to beat them you just can't outlast them yeah you can't, you yeah, can't yeah you right? can't play this control game because they're just going to have this secondary deck that's just like ridiculously you know out overvalued with like tons of burn it's just their deck is literally draw a card and like burn spell that's it and that's right. all they do like warrior can only have so many healing so many armor gain they're eventually yeah. just gonna die okay yeah i mean what similar take language hacker or you know like in terms of of just seeing all those rogues during that um that event um i i probably lost a bit of interest after like the third or fourth rogue mirror yeah me too i mean <laughs> Especially when when all of them bring very similar lists. I mean, I mean that that's what you do, right? And we see a bit a lot of this in open cups too. There's not that much like um, variety. Like once people have find the refined decks they're they're uh, they're bringing. Like if the meta gets mixed up and people start bringing like the the spell or so or whatever the the new mage we're talking about now, um, or start bringing more Nomi Priest, then. But I mean, you don't even really tech against Nomi Priest from the rogue side. I mean, they can throw in different tech cards as a thing, but right now, while the meta is as it is, the, the deck's going to be pretty, I mean, powerful. I, I, the, the most recent open cup, I think, had like almost half rogues, more. No, it was probably more than half. Yeah, it's I mean, uh, it's a big problem if you can't even counter it. You know, it, it, it's obviously 
I think one thing when you can actually build something that does beat it, you know, like I built some type of lineup that does beat it, but lose to everything else or something like that. But it sounds like it's even hard to beat that at this point. You know, it's, it's hard to do that at something that's, that's going to be, you know, give the rogue less than 40%. You know, so, it's, it's hard to target it. I mean, yeah, if you look at uh, if you look at the world champs as well, different format, obviously, but there were most people uh, left uh, left rogue up and banned warrior or did something else, but but like very few people banned. Um, for, wait, was it the very few people banned rogue? I think most people banned warrior. Most people banned warrior. Yeah. Yeah. So if you look at the 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 field, that all three people who didn't bring warrior made it to the top eight and i think all the banned rogue strats made it to top eight or or most of them made it to top um top yeah eight. i mean the thing is like in conquest mage and hunter were just insane yeah mage if you, brought mage, if you brought mage and hunter you're banning rogue that's the thing it was easier yeah. to just not deal with rogue and everyone who tried not dealing with rogue did fairly well um, I mean, Warrior had its, has its own problems with Boom, and you know it's 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 difficult to get past a turn seven Boom into all the Warrior things. But yeah. Rogue literally beats everything. Yeah, like War, like Warrior that. actually has counters. Like yeah. you can out, like you can there are actual counters to Warrior. Like you can play Conjurer's Mage, or you can play Dire Frenzy Hunter, Hunter yeah. or whatever. You can play Mech, or you can play Mech Hunter, or whatever. But like, yeah. there's just there is not an actual counter to Rogue. Like, yeah, some people think that Nomi Priest beat it, but, like, we don't have the data to support that. Like, and I don't think we ever will have the data to support that because it's just such a hard deck to play. HS Replay is always going to be biased against it. Because it's still one of those decks that, like, if you make a single mistake, you just automatically lose. Right. So, you know, when when a deck has that high of a skill level and it might be a counter to Rogue, it's, yeah, we're not in a good spot. Rogue needs to be nerfed. Yeah, I, I think that's the general consensus right now is that Rogue needs to be nerfed. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it's it's kind of a silver... I don't know if it's a silver lining, but it's kind of good that the... I, I think the meta is in a, a place where I think specialists, the format, is most vulnerable or to, to looking bad, you know? And it, it's when, you know, when there is a single class, particularly a class, right, in specialists, that's, um, that's overpowered. And um, because, you know, it, it's going to mask that later. And, and right now, I think that it just shows you one thing, which is that Specialist isn't flexible enough to avoid that. You know, where Conquest was. If you had a broken class, you just ban it, right? Like, and, and That's why can, I love Conquest. Right, you basically right. got to pick what world you want to live in. Do you want to live in a world without right. rogues? Do you want to live in a world without warriors? World right. without mage? Like, it's whatever you want. You know what I mean? Like, you get to pick what world you want. It's dynamic too, right? We're going to see different things. So we're going to, it forces us to actually see different matchups and whatnot. So, you know, with, with specialists for me, it, I, I w I've been worried since day one about this. And I, I think at this point, I, 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 I'm just outright worried that, that this is what we're going to be seeing, you know, in 2019, uh, unless they make some kind of tweak because it's the, the positives for specialists all end up being logistical. For in, in my mind, yep. you know, and yep. I think that's I why they ended up making the decision. I yeah. agree completely. Yeah, and they're trying to sell us, and really it's like, oh, it. it's shorter and it's like you know better, but it's like it's very obvious to me that that the the el the elements that are unique about specialists, you, we might not even see them, you know, like in a match. You change five cards, you know, you play a different deck and you change five cards. We might not even see those five cards. 
So, you know, there is, we, we, you could potentially just see the same match like over and over again. You know, like, hope, you know, that usually it's not. Yeah, right. Usually it's not exactly, the case, but, yeah. but think about that, right? Like, that's what they're, they're putting their, their bet on is that this, this, the unique element of the, you know, the sideboarding, which isn't even a real sideboard anyway, is like, uh, that's a different discussion. Um, it's just like a, a pseudo weird version of it. Uh, it, it doesn't even, guarantee we're going to see something different you know whenever the game two happens in game three so it just shows you that it's not flexible at all and with the meta something that we can't control like blizzard can't really really control it either you know you need a format that that's going to allow for these imperfections you know to the meta game and they don't have it they have the opposite right now like picking a single class is is rough i mean it's going to be tough to achieve that without having some type of you know, banning or something in the beginning to kind of kind of change things up. So um, I, I don't know what I don't know what you could do, like being a um, some kind of permutation of specialists. You know that that might mix up the classes that people can play. You know, because we have to get away from people just all playing rogue, right? And and banning. So nerfing rogue is one way to get to it, but who knows? Like some other classes get super, you know, like strong again, and then the same thing happens again. And um, it's so much pressure on the design team, also. Yeah, like in the one class format, which is basically what this is, yeah, right? It's exactly. just one class you're bringing. Yeah. If th if things are balanced, even if like the best deck is like say 53, 54, and yeah. and the second best deck is like fifty one, right? People are gonna bring the second best deck. People might bring something even worse. But if it's just clearly like rogue way above above it, or like not even rogue, but any deck way above or class above anything else, that's like gonna be seventy eighty percent of the people. Right. It's, yeah. I mean, I don't, don't get know. me wrong. I think Rogue needs to be nerfed, regardless. You know, whatever the format is, it's clear it's got, you know, a handful or maybe even a couple handful of very powerful cards right now, and, and other classes don't have that that right now. So I, I think it does need some adjusting and tweaking. But what needs even more is just a format that's going to be, you know, that's going to have some margin of error for for Blizzard. And man, they've you know I think they've set themselves up for like. It could be pretty brutal, man. Like I, you know, I, I know a lot of people are looking for grand, Ma looking forward to grandmaster. And I am too. Like I think that the actual structure is kind of you know interesting and different, and, and, and very intriguing. But if you have a bad format, it's just going to make everything look bad. So, I, I hope they. Do you think they're going to do something about it? Like any indication that you think that they're going to change anything? Yeah. If I if I had a thousand Vegas and I had yeah at a casino and I had to bet on specialists. Yeah be here in 2020 i would say it's not well in 2020 but, it, but what about 2019 like that that's what i care about most right now almost, we're like, almost definitely going to be here for all, uh, like almost all of 2019 uh, it's yeah, going to be I don't think it's, well, it's guaranteed to be here till vegas first of all yeah i mean and then after vegas then they then they look for feedback from the pros because you know a lot of the grandmasters haven't had got a chance to play with it so vegas will be i think like their big tournament where they're just going to be looking for a lot of feedback and like i think they're really going to pay attention to the meta there and like big surprise i i don't think we're going to see like very much diversity if like rogue's not nerfed and even if rogue is nerfed like if there's not like if they don't like hit that diversity and they don't like get better feedback about the format i think then they're going to start reevaluating. So best case scenario, they start reevaluating right after Vegas. So season two. And, like yeah, Vegas. and then how long is it going to take for them to come to a consensus about something else? Months. Yeah. Like, best case scenario. They, they don't have like a plan B. You know, I, don't, I don't think they have a plan B right now. You know, it, yeah, it would have to be some kind so of either. tweak of specialist. 
Yeah, um, I I think Specialist is going to be here for all of 2019. I think it actually might spill over to 2020. I I don't, I mean, uh, hey, I don't know. I'm just guessing. uh, But but just given from, like, my experience and, like, you know, I don't know. Like, that's that's what I think. I'll take my word for it. I hope you're wrong. If I had to bet money on it, I would bet it'd be here. are Are there any pros that like Specialists right now? I mean, do you guys know of people that actually are defending Specialists and liking Specialists? I defend it for the sake of playing devil's advocate because yeah, I no. think there are some logist like you said, it's there for logistical reasons. But yeah, personally, I, I don't like it. So okay, yeah, I don't know anybody yeah. that actually personally likes yeah, so, it. So I mean, the feedback and, they're going to get then, right, is is probably going to be you know just critical. And, and maybe they already know it's coming. Maybe they're already yeah. starting to reevaluate it now. Maybe they're already yeah, trying to figure out so. what's the next you know what's our next steps right now, but. It's it's actually a super, super hard problem to solve. Like, it's not trivial at yeah. all whatsoever yeah. because logistically, it makes a lot of sense to have a single deck format because yeah. it's easier access, you know. It's really important that people at the lower level can play the same format that people at the higher level. And if everybody's just playing Conquest at the highest level or multi-deck format, it's going to be really hard for people to want to get into it because they have to literally invest in four different decks. And that's actually, like, a barrier to entry for a lot of people. So it's like, do you either want to have a better multi-deck format where other people have to invest a lot into it, and so maybe the competitive pool is smaller, maybe that's an okay thing, or do you just want to just like have the lesser competitive players have their own format, like something like single-deck format like Specialist, and that won't be part of like the higher-level HS Esports ecosystem, but it might just be some like smaller-level tournament, you know, like fun you know, fireside gathering community type stuff. I, yeah. I don't know. Like it's, you could go so many different ways with it. Yeah. And it's, it's really hard because you just have infinite freedom, right? Like making, making a new format, making a new deck format. Yeah. You can literally go any direction you want. And I don't, for me at least, well, I've been playing Hearthstone and it's not super obvious to me how to solve the problem. No, me either. If you, if you all you care about is just having a great format that's balanced, I think a multi-deck format with the ban like LHS or Conquest is great. But once you throw the logistical design constraint of, you know, having the viewers be able to replicate what people are doing at a higher level and the barrier to entry, yeah, I, I don't know how to solve that. Like, I, I don't know. I that's, mean, that's hard. That, that's uh, pretty much been what the design is, or what the general notion has been or, or accepted paradigm has been, right? Like, you want to have just everybody be able to relate to it when they're watching it. But I, you know, if, if this is the result of it, then they, you know, that, that shouldn't be the best. Yeah, this is, end result is obviously it. unacceptable. Yeah, obviously. And, and but one, here's another thing, too. It's like, if you're going to do a single deck format, you, you need to do it right. You know, like, not this kind of pseudo thing with, you know, basically pick three decks, but you can only change five cards, you know, in the second and third one. It's not even a sideboard, you know. That's the problem with this, too, is that I think sideboard would probably be judged based upon this as well. And yeah, it's not it feels even... like it wasn't critically, like, like they weren't critical enough. Like, I think from, like, an idealistic standpoint, it's like, oh, you know, it's, we, it's more marketable because you can say I'm a specialist with this class and yeah. yada, yada. But, yeah, once you, like, start criticizing the idea of it there's a lot of holes in it and yeah it's kind of hard to see how they came to this conclusion yeah yeah for sure. I, I don't know what their design process is i don't know if this is just the brainchild of you know one of the highest ups and then they just kind of morphed around it or if they all came to this like i, I don't know you know yeah. it's I, I don't know how they came to this conclusion but yeah i agree and result is not acceptable yeah no idea but um 
but yeah, so I, hopefully something something happens. You know, I think between I, I guess nothing will probably happen between Ve- or before Vegas, but uh, you know, I'm crossing my fingers yeah, that something gets tweaked. Locked in. Something tweaked would be be great. Um, okay. Well, anyways, we're gonna get some Q and A here, but before we do, I just want to give a shout out just to some just the people that support the show. That's our patrons, of course. A long time we got you know a good number of long time patrons that that have been helping you know us do these shows each week. So I want to give a give a shout out to a few of them each week. So Raydan, Bruce L, or Bruce W, Michael O, Two Comma Kid, Cameron M, Paul H. Aaron B, Michael V, Code Chemist, Roger F, and Richard M, just to name a few. Thanks so much, guys. And if you, you know, like what we do, like the show, you can support it at patreon.com slash valuetown and just make a pledge today. All right, so we got a question from Raydan, one of our patrons. He asks, do you have any ideas how to improve on the viewer experience for the first 10 minutes of literally any Hearthstone game where all players are continuously roping, although it's painfully clear they're armoring up past? The casters try to talk through game plans usually, but at some point... I start feeling sorry for them as they try to stay hyped and excited. I know players need to focus and concentrate, but by now it feels like they're doing it just because it's a thing to do. That's okay. That's not true, but yeah. What else? Uh, language hacker. What's your take on that? Like, is there any way we can fill that? And, um, you know, like maybe talk about because I think the end of his uh, uh, answer there was really saying that you guys are just doing it for the sake of doing it, but what, what actually does happen when people rope in the first turn or two? What, do you, what, what is the typical thing that people are doing? I mean, so it, it's different in different matchups. Like in Control Shum or Control Warrior, there's not a whole lot you're doing, but what you can think about is, okay, my opponent kept two or three cards. What kind of cards would they keep in this matchup? How is that going to affect the next few turns that are playing out? Um, and it's something that it may not necessarily have anything to do with your current turn, but you don't want to wake up three turns from now thinking, okay, he kept this card. Now let me think about what it could be. Right. Like you want to know in advance, okay, it could be this or this, and let me try to prepare the next few turns based on the fact that this might be in his hand. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, the rope seems to burn a lot quicker when you're in the middle of a game on stage. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah. So it, it's yeah. better to be prepared a few turns early. Like a, yeah. a great example of this was Life Coach. Like Life Coach was notorious for groping every single turn right but i mean it's he was thinking about every single possibility he was thinking about everything every single card like what what kind of stuff you can expect in this game so i mean it's not just for it's it's not just for the sake of doing it it's it's actually thinking ahead right using your time okay yeah so in terms of like killing time any of you guys have an idea for how to kill time during that like i don't i don't know I hate. I just hate that phrase. Yeah, like, I, just, yeah. I, I hate it if that's what it's coming down to. I don't think it has to be about killing time. It's more just like, I don't know. If I was like up on that desk, I feel like there's a literal infinite number of things to talk about. Like I don't. I don't know. Like I'm not gonna. Like I'm I mean, not saying. I, I think there could be casters for what they're doing, but no, no. I think casters are doing a great job. Yeah, I, I, I think yeah. they're doing a great job too. But I just yeah. don't think that you have to try to kill time. I guess like. You can talk about like what they're thinking about potentially. Like there are other things like bluffing, for example. Like maybe you don't want to play a one drop. Maybe you want to hold the one drop. Like maybe you want to represent something. Maybe I don't know. Like especially if you're on coin. Like if you're on the coin turn one, Mm -hmm. you could be representing a coin two drop. You could be representing holding the coin for a coin three drop. Mm -hmm. You could just have nothing in your hand and just you might just want to rope it out just to try and represent having something. And they could just talk about like what they could be representing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't think that stuff is necessarily done a whole lot. So, like, I don't know. For me personally, if I ever rope turn one, it's just so I'm trying to calm my nerves. Like, I know, like, 
if I'm just like super nervous and I don't want to like start the game yet, I just take a few seconds to breathe and just kind of let the rope burn down, you know, just kind of like get, get kind of acclimated to the match. I don't know for other people. I think it's like what language hacker said. It also could have to do with hand reading as well. Like if you want to figure out like what cards your opponents are going to play, you know, you might want to have in your head, okay, let me memorize my hand. Let me get accustomed to what's in my hand. All right. Now let me look at my opponent's hand and get ready for when he plays his cards. Because it, it just takes a lot of mental processing to do all that. Yeah. Because you don't have deck tracker up, so I don't know. Like, it's kind of I kind of didn't really answer your question. I guess like, what <laughs> should they kill time? It's I like, don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I, have, an, I have an idea. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that when there are these type of games where it is taking a long time, I mean, one thing they could do is just throw it to just some type of deck view. You know, just just seeing the decks, the two players' decks. Like, I, yeah. I think that's one thing that they don't do enough on the broadcast right now is like seeing allowing us viewers actually to be able to just take in what what potential cards might come in you know right now we don't see that you know like like deck tracker i mean everybody's used to it on stream everybody watches like the decks the cards being played and and i mean they have like full knowledge of everything you know on on the esports it, that's one thing that's that's really really missing so at the very least in the very beginning if you want to you know if, if there is some time that you want to give the casters to talk about something and there's not really that much to talk about, you know, after maybe talking about the same thing that you're mentioning, like over and over again, then show the decks, you know, just have the, what's the deck matchup right this second and just like get a look at it real quick, you know, so. And it's interesting because I think they do do that. And I think like if I think about it, like Sottle actually does that sometimes where, you know, just during, you know, where they're roping, he'll like just start talking about like different tech choices they have. But I think it would be a much stronger effect if, the viewer could see it on the screen and yeah. see it for himself and actually like visually see it. That would, that would be a lot better. Yeah. I, I like that idea. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So anyway, guys, if you have a, a question for us, you know, Q and a definitely ask it in Twitch chat or, you know, definitely check on value, uh, value or sorry, the value on Twitter. Oh, shine blazer. Oh, he was like, he's saying Brian killer recommended the, the, uh, the system. Uh, I think he's talking about specialist specialist. Dude, there. I would be, you know, I, I think that people might be right about Brian, like, recommending it, but, dude, I had a conversation with Brian, like, a long time ago about about uh, sideboarding, because we, we, we at one point were talking about doing an event together, you know, like, I would organize the tournament kind of thing, and, you know, my idea was to do a, a sideboarding, it's just like, let's just give sideboarding, like, a real chance, you know, and my, my idea was, like, let's, let's, it's kind of, kind of similar, but not exactly, but it was basically a, a 10, a 10 card sideboard, and you know just go with that 10 card sideboard single class and then let's just see what happens and you know everybody convinced me not to do it <laughs> you know what i mean so it's kind of interesting including brian i think at the time like it, so uh, the fact that people are saying that he was the person that came up with it that would be really surprising to me given that that we we, we came to that conclusion or he convinced me not to do it because of that so um, you know, it turns out I, I it probably isn't a good idea to do it. <laughs> Maybe just given what we've seen so far, but um, but yeah, when people keep saying that, it always surprises me. Um, yeah, so any questions, guys? Because if there's no questions, then we're gonna wrap up. Like we've we're, uh, we we've made some good time today. Um, trying to, I give you maybe a, uh, about ten more seconds. See if you guys have any more questions. But uh, yeah, I gotta eat some dinner, man. I can smell my dinner coming from my. Just what my wife cooked, and uh, they've already done. Yeah, they're done eating, but I'm like, uh, my stomach's been growling the whole time because I, I can smell it. I think the body reacts every time you do that. You know, I don't know if you're y'all's do. Like, if you smell good food, does you do, do you get hungrier by chance? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> it's part of being human. Yeah. Okay, so here we go. We got some now. Um, so what are your individual plans for this year? Shine Blazer asks. Um, language Hacker? You know, I, I think it's probably more interesting. I mean, obviously Bloody Face and GM, but um, Language Hacker, how about you? Like, what, what is your, your plans? Uh, I mean, I'm going to continue competing, obviously. I'm, I'm going to Vegas and uh, mm -hmm. hopefully qualifying for Seoul and probably the Europe Match qualifier as, as well. Awesome. Uh, we'll okay. see how the Open Cups go. But I'm also starting to like stream full-time. And so far, the like this week has been really great so far in terms of support. And a lot of people have shown up to watch now that I'm back to streaming full-time and back on the, on normal Eastern Standard Time Zone mm -hmm. sleeping schedule. Um, so basically that, yeah, try to grow a stream, try to continue competing, um, and kind of see where everything goes. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So you're full-timing it now, right? Like you, you were, you were part-timing it like how long ago? Uh, weren't you part-timing it for a while? I, I can't remember. Yeah, so I left, I left my job in, uh, end of December. So after the new year yeah. I started. Okay. Like, yeah. Cause I remember you, it. Yeah. yeah, you and Bunny, um, I remember there were two guys were like part-timing and I was like, man, that's crazy. <laughs> Like, I mean, it's it's difficult to do part time because if you're working a full time job, it's you you do the whatever eight hour workday, you come home and then it's like you you stream for an hour or two and you don't get much viewership. The growth isn't there either, so you actually have to stream longer hours. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to do eight eight hour you know workday and then come home and stream for another four or five hours. It just takes a lot out of you. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, well maybe try to be on the weekends. But then I mean, all your weekends are like kind of shot. Yeah, if you do that. Yeah, and then you take a weekend off to go do something, and it's like, well, I'm only streaming like, what, four times this month now? It's, it's difficult to find time. I mean, you try to do it, but it requires a lot of effort, so you really, really want to have to do have to want to do it. Mm -hmm. so, okay. After I left, it became a lot easier to do it full-time, but then I still had to take time off to prep for Worlds. So now I'm hoping it's just smooth sailing. Yeah, well, you know, Worlds should help, too. You know, just a lot more people probably know who you are now because of, of just the coverage on Worlds, so... Um, that's probably one of those things where it is worth it. You know, like, I think when you're getting a stream going, it's worth it, I think, to get that kind of exposure versus, you know, somebody like Crip or something going to Worlds. It's probably not, not as uh, worth it for him. Uh, Bloody Face, how about you? You've got a pretty oh, yeah, good I mean, coming up, right? So Streaming, yes. Mm -hmm. I want to stream. Haven't been doing it yet. Catching up on sleep, catching up on chores, you know, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. I haven't even been back for a week yet. Um, but yeah, I, I think that... Um, I think that one thing I learned just like from talking to a lot of like the streamers, because a lot of the streamers were invited to the GM summit or whatever. But yeah, I mean, there's just like, from what I learned, there's just like no ceiling on how much money you can make uh, on streaming. Like if, if you, if you care about making money and playing Hearthstone, you should be streaming because you know, your, your time investment for how much effort you put in and how many hours you put in, you almost always, you, you get it directly back more consistently by streaming because you can build a community, you can build yeah. subs, you, you can get more viewers. You know, there's so many different ways to promote yourself and build your brand. Whereas with competing, you rely on your income just from tournament finishes and, you know, luck's involved in that and you can have like a crappy year or whatever and money can be more tight. And obviously you do get some exposure from like competing in events, but the, the real money from what I learned is, is all in streaming. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not in it for the money. You know, I left a pretty high paying job to play Hearthstone and it, it'd be <laughs> stupid of me if I was in it for the money in that case, you could just make way more money, you know, doing some like computer science, -y, yeah. machine learning related stuff. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I just, for me personally, I care about competing. I care about being the best. You know, I strive to be the best. I care a lot about self-improvement. I, I don't, I, I feel like if I was a full-time streamer, I would stagnate really easily. So I don't want to like make the transition to streaming only because then I question myself like, well, how can I prove like, what are my long-term goals? Like, yeah, I'm grinding, like I can get more viewers and I can get more subs, but like, what's, what's like the end goal or whatever, just yeah. to be the just most chasing. popular person on Twitch. Right. Like that's not something I necessarily care about. Like I'm always been more of a computer. I care about like competing the best. I like problem solving, I like puzzles and I like playing against the best in the world. And, you know, competing for me is, you know, I think my number one driving factor, but you know, I do need to live. I do need to pay the bills and, you know, if I do have a crappy year, I want to have a fallback plan that doesn't involve me going back to a non-Hearthstone related job. So I think it'd be very good if I, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to try and stream more. I think it's going to be tough to juggle everything because, uh, yeah, we got Pegas coming up, we have Soul coming up, and then, you know, there's like the GM stuff. But technically, I guess I'll be on stream for the GM stuff. So it kind of helps, I guess. But yeah. Um, cool. Definitely going to be trying streaming more in my free time. So, yeah. Yeah, that's where that's where all the sponsor money is. At least you know streaming. You don't even have to be a big streamer these days, and you can still. Yeah. I was I was like talking with you know I, was, I did the streamer showdown smash thing today, and I was like talking to some of those guys, and and some of them you know they have very small streams, you know, and there's still bounties out for those guys, you know, like they're they're not as big as obviously the 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 big streamers, but they're still available, you know, like they they make it readily available for you to be able to you know get these sponsorships or at least sponsorship money, so. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, the right time or, or, you know, when you're comparing the two, it's not even a, a contest. It's, it's very, very clear. Um, okay, well, I have one last question. Sal, Southern Smoke asks, most fun deck so far for each of you guys? What, what is the most fun deck you guys uh, have played? Or maybe there's a deck that's special to you that you just like to go to even when you don't care about winning <laughs> type of thing? Um. So they actually asked me this question at uh, at Worlds as well, oh and I just hadn't I had no idea what to tell them because all we did for it's fun, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> What's fun? I know you guys are too much competitors to winning is fun, right? <laughs> so. Like we were grinding sixteen hours a day uh, for like the first week of the expansion, just trying to find the best decks, trying to find the best decks, and then it's like fun. So I, I ended up telling them like heal druid because the last day I tested like two hours of that and it was kind of cool because I like slow control decks and that was fun. Yeah. But now I'm trying to play like some more conjure mage, like conjure calling mage. Yep. I'm trying to make that work. Like that's what I've been running in the special in the uh, open cups. Mm. Uh, so just iterating that. But that's kind of it's it's I like playing big slow things. So that's kind of my style. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Blayface, how about you? I'm a big fan of Solitaire. Uh, <laughs> oh, decks God. Just involves me doing everything and my <laughs> opponent forced to sit and watch me just play a million spells in a turn. So, yeah, Nomi Priest is uh, Priest. definitely the most fun drawing, I have. Drawing is fun, I have to say. that That, that is one me mechanic that is, is always going to always be fun in my mind. So, yeah, I think being able to draw that much might be super fun. I think for me, um, I mean, I've just been enjoying Mage. You know, we had APX Void on not too long ago, and he had like all kinds of different mages that introduced to all of us. So I think getting a chance to to play some of the different ones, not just you know the the um, you know your your Cadgar type of you know Conjure Priest, but just some other different uh, tempo type of uh, mages has pretty been pretty interesting. So yeah, something like that. Priest is definitely. I mean, Mage is definitely a really fun. 
I, you know, I, I think that for the most part, people like the mage class right now. You know, they did a good job with it, at least in this expansion. So, um, you know, I think that's been the one for me. All right. Well, anyways, why don't we wrap up? You know, it's been awesome having you guys on. And, um, you know, hopefully we can do it again sometime down the road. You know, maybe when you guys win, you know, Vegas or Seoul or one of those uh, big events coming up in 2019. But, um, but anyways, you know, thanks for coming on, sharing your experience and everything and getting your insight on just everything that's going on. Blayface, you want to do some shout outs before we take off? Yeah, shout out to my girlfriend. She yeah. travels with me to pretty much Hearthstone, every Hearthstone event I go to. Very supportive. Makes the traveling experience a lot more enjoyable, a lot more fun. I mean, who doesn't want to do, you know, who wants to do it by yourself? You know, yeah, travel the world with somebody, you know, like, that's definitely yeah, yeah. the way to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, shout out to my team Lazarus for, uh, you know, help sponsoring me and, you know, they've been good to us. You're both on the same team, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I kind of remember that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no worries. Um, okay. Awesome. Yeah. Language Hacker, how about you? You want to do some shots? I'll echo what Bloody Face said. <laughs> Thanks to my girlfriend for putting up with me, traveling with me as well to uh, to Taipei and hopefully to Vegas. I actually know we booked Vegas. So Vegas, hopefully Seoul. We'll see where the rest of the year takes us. And uh, shout out to Lazarus. They've, they've done a good job for us. We got some cool swag from them too. That was nice. Awesome. All right. And uh, yeah, I'll thank again. Thank you guys for doing the show. Everybody for tuning in. I know it's been, been a little bit later. Um, oh, one thing I did, I, one announcement I do have for, for the show that um you know i just wanted to mention it's uh you know lately i'll just 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 kind of be a little bit transparent about everything lately it's been a little bit more difficult for me to do the show each and every week so i think that um instead of like struggling and trying to like really rush the shows which i i kind of feel like we've been doing for a little bit now that um it might be better for us just to do them bi-monthly you know just twice a month instead um, you know, to be honest, there's not like a ton, so, there's some weeks that are super slow. Like I just being completely honest and it's, you know, we don't talk quite, you know, that much about gameplay these days. You know, we're definitely more covering, you know, the community and esports news and things like that. So, um, I think we'll, we'll probably, you know, end up going to, to, you know, every two weeks instead and, um, you know, kind of going from there. Also, I just, just have been having trouble with time too. You know, I've been working on a, a few things that, are, um, you know, hopefully you guys will, will, will hear about soon. But it's been taking a lot of my time too. So um, you know, I definitely want to continue doing the show and being part of the the Hearthstone community. There's no question about that. But um, you know, I think that it's realistic. It's not very realistic for me to do a good job like each and every week. So I, I, I definitely want to make sure when we do the show, it you know, it is something that you know um, you guys can be happy about. So um, yeah, I just want to let you guys know that. But uh, but yeah, that's gonna be it, guys, for the show. So if um, you can check out the VOD at youtube.com slash V and you can uh, listen to the show on all the audio channels. So iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud.com slash V. And uh, that's going to be it, guys, for this week. So for Bloody Face, Language Hacker, and myself, V. we'll see you next week. Or maybe in two weeks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Got to get used to that, too. <laughs>